Hey everybody, it's Joe Trippy. Welcome to That Trippy Show, and thank you for coming back for episode two. Really appreciate everyone who subscribed and helped get the word out, and please keep doing that, and leave questions in the reviews on iTunes, and I'll answer them on the air. Well, look, we're 95 days out from Election Day, and no time to waste. Well, I mean, are we 95 days out from Election Day? If you saw what Trump tweeted this morning, said something like, with universal mail-in voting, not absentee voting, 2020 will be the most inaccurate and fraudulent election in history. It'll be a great embarrassment to the USA. Delay the election until people can properly, securely, and safely vote. I'm sure by the time people hear this, they're already going to hear that we've never delayed a presidential election, not even during the Civil War, World War One or Two, never, not even during the 1918 pandemic when there was a presidential year uh, as well. So uh, none of that's really going to happen. What I think people are missing, though, is this whole notion that we're already seeing. First, Trump went uh, and started telling people that voting by mail is fraudulent. The result of that was it's his followers, it's the Republicans who are saying they do not intend to vote by mail anymore because they think it's fraudulent and and, um, votes can be stolen. Democrats, on the other hand, um, don't think there's anything wrong with voting by mail. And uh, we're seeing increasingly large numbers in the middle of the COVID crisis, them saying they're going to vote. Uh, and use that mechanism. But here's the problem now. Now the president is telling his same supporters, don't go to the poll. It's not safe. Don't go to the polls uh, on November 3rd. It won't be safe. We may have to delay this thing. It's so it's so dangerous, which is kind of confusing. I was talking to Senator Doug Jones earlier today on the phone. He said, look, it's kind of strange, right? You have uh, on the one hand, it's safe enough to send our kids, all our kids to school. On the other hand, it's so dangerous, we can't have adults vote. So what the president may be doing here, if, if he's already hurting himself by having his own supporters decide not to vote by mail, and now, you know, getting them to fear going to the polls in person, it's it, this is like a double whammy. Um, it, it's more likely that he's hurting his own vote, which is... Kind of something we've seen him do uh, several times, but uh, I, I just I think that's crazy. Well, if we're looking at actual voting, one of the key states in 2016 was Michigan. Donald Trump won by a pretty thin margin, and it was pretty much an upset. It doesn't seem like his campaign thinks Michigan is in play right now. President Trump's re-election campaign has halted new ad buys in Michigan in recent days as polls showing former Vice President Joe Biden with a widening lead in the state. Washington, D.C. pollster Morning Consult Political Intelligence shows Biden with a 10-point lead over the president in the swing state. President Trump won Michigan back in 2016 by less than 1% against Hillary Clinton. Well, look, Joe, it's not even August, and it looks like Trump's letting Michigan go, which means Biden's got to be ahead by a lot, right? Should this give Biden the chance to expand the map, maybe go for Arizona, go for Texas? Uh, no. I mean, the fact that the double-digit lead, that's significant. But the most significant thing is this has to be a state, a critical state for Trump, and they've gone dark. That is what I'm looking at here. Why has the Trump campaign and his IE gone dark in Michigan? Um when it's such a critical state. I, I think it, it. then you put that together with the polls that we're seeing 
And it's, it, it could be that Trump's taking his foot off the gas in Michigan. I've said repeatedly, you, your strategy has to be pick your 270, pick a couple of, of, of other states to give yourself a cushion, but go all out and never take your foot off the gas. And what we're seeing for the first time is Trump's taking his foot off the gas. That campaign has taken his foot off the gas in a must-win state for them. Um, I think that means that the Trump map is shrinking. And I also think like right now, a lot of uh, pundits have Michigan in the, the lean column. I would actually move it now, it's 16 electoral votes to the likely Democratic column right now. Um, I, and by my count, that would get Biden up to around 230, still, still 40 electoral votes away. And you can't count Michigan. You keep your foot on the gas. So Joe, I mean, what's, what's Trump's path if he's bailing on Michigan? Well, look, I'm not sure he's bailing on Michigan yet. Look, there's another reason this could be happening. There's a reason he could be going dark. They have plenty of money to spend that they can spend in Michigan and other places. They don't need to shut Michigan down to go somewhere else. Uh, They can do both. They have the resources to do that. So the other possibility is the message, the law and order message that they've been pounding away on, they're seeing it's not working. So instead of pouring more money on a message they know isn't working, that they're seeing Michigan move away from them. But they may be going dark because they're doing the research, they're, they're, they're doing the focus groups, they're trying to figure out a better way to come at it because what they're doing is not working. Um, and, uh, and, and so I'm not saying Michigan is gone. That's why I say it's likely. I would move it from lean to likely. But you can't count on it, and you can't count on the fact that just because they've gone dark, they've given up. I think it's far more likely that they are doing a lot of research, that they may have abandoned it temporarily, put a pause on it, because not because they don't have the resources, but because they can't find a message. If you look on the other side of that, you're hearing that Biden put seven figures into ads in Ohio. Actually, it's more like 10 million plus. And if you look at where he's buying, he's actually buying a lot more on borders markets like Youngstown and Toledo that bleed into Michigan and, and Pennsylvania. Is he serious about winning Ohio? Is that a state he thinks he can win? Uh, well, one, as you said, it bleeds into those other states that he has to win. Um, the bonus is that Ohio is competitive right now, and maybe, just maybe, he can pull it out too. I don't think he's trying to do that. I don't think he's trying. I don't think he's going for Ohio yet. I think this is more a play for Michigan, Pennsylvania, and those in those uh, uh, markets that overlap. You, you'll you'll you'd have to see a major buy in a lot of the inner Ohio markets, for lack of a better way of putting it, uh, to to think that they're going to make a concerted run at it. We think when we see Biden buying in Texas, we talked about this last week a little bit with maybe even a head fake. But if tr- if Trump is spending in Texas, that's a good thing for the Biden campaign. Why, on the flip side, is it for Biden, you know, why is it good for him to spend like this in Michigan if if Trump is pulling out? Well, I mean, first of all, you don't take your foot off the gas. It's his strategy. His strategy, I'm going to keep pounding on this, 270 plus some cushion. And if that that has to be Michigan, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania has to be in that count. Um, uh, you, You go for that. Maybe Ohio is an attempt at cushion. I don't think so yet, but we'll see. But I think the difference is if Joe Biden was running ads in California right now, 
that would tell you something, right? So the fact that Trump is showing any concern about Texas whatsoever is just it, that just should be ringing alarm bells all the way around. You can just hear them in Trump headquarters. They got to be doing to, to be spending money there. You're defending in Texas and you're and you're off the air in Michigan. You're starting that. That's what I'm saying. The electoral map is starting to shrink. Um, what Biden can't do is say, OK, it's it's for us. It's growing. So let me. So now I'm really going to expand my spending. Um, that's the mistake. If you, you know, that's the mistake there. So let's move to the Veep stakes. Seems like we're talking about it every week. But now we're hearing that the Biden campaign is going to announce their VP pick by the end of next week. And speculation is all over the place. Joe Biden said he's just days away from picking his own running mate. I'm going to have a, a choice in the first week in August. He's choosing from a group of women, including well-known names like Senators Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris, and less familiar faces like Congresswomen Val Demings and Karen Bass. Biden has said repeatedly he's looking for someone with whom he has a good working relationship. That would seem to favor another name on the list, Susan Rice. If you're reading the tea leaves, Joe, do you think this this is still Kamala's to lose? Uh, no, I don't. I have no insight into who they'll pick. I do think Karen Bass has been coming up. You can Feel, you can just sort of feel that. Uh, uh, and I think that the one thing, having been through this a lot and having been on a vice presidential selection committee when, you know, sort of doing the vet and looking at things, um, the vetting is what's really important here. Two of them have an advantage in that, path, both Kamala uh, and Elizabeth Warren, in a lot of ways, by running for president, by going through the press scrutiny. I'm sure um, the Biden campaign had oppo research on them. And I can tell you from my experience, the hardest thing in the world is to pass a vet for VP. It's, it's easier to be elected president of the United States than it is to be picked as vice president. You know, if Elizabeth Warren doesn't want to give her tax returns uh, to the Biden vet team, um, she's not going to get picked. Um, on the other hand, you can run for president of the United States, as Trump did, uh, with everybody saying, where are your tax returns? And, and still hasn't released his tax returns. So part of this is there's a, the vet is going to be the most important thing. They, they are going to want to make sure that they know everything about these, these folks that we're talking about. Two of them have been through it. They'll want to do more. But the other three uh, are th- that has to be really thorough because they have. N- and, and you're taking the chance that they won't hold up well under the pressure. I I just caution that anybody who has a favor today, we don't know enough enough about what how the Biden vet vetting process is to know that some of them may not may not really be in it uh, because of that. Well, you you look at last week when we were talking about uh, Mayor Bottoms from Atlanta, and it seems like she's not even in the running anymore. Out of out of the the last few here, talking about what you said last week about governing experience, do you have a favorite out of these in terms of maybe not your favorite, but who can help Biden govern the most? Uh, no, look, I, I still uh, look. My personal favorite was uh, was uh, Mayor Bottoms, uh, and I know a lot of people. Oh gosh, a mayor? How's that? You know, isn't that risky? Uh, I I also said at the time, I'm not. I, I didn't think there was any way that Biden folks would pick her. Um, because of that, uh, he needs to pick somebody 
who's going to be a governing partner with him to get us all out of this mess. There's no one on of all of any of them that says, oh, yeah, I'm going to win that state. This will appease that wing of the party or any of that stuff. He's got a double digit lead. Trump unifies the party for him, although he's got work to do. But Trump does a lot of that work for him every day. And so I think this is more about picking somebody he can govern with who can add and help him come out of the COVID crisis, get the economy moving again, figure out how you really do get children back in schools and do a lot of the work that's going to need to be done. It's This is not, the president is not going to fix this between now and November, not in between now and January. It's going to be a mess, but that's what I think it's about who can help him govern. If you're Biden, do you need some kind of big splash with a VP announcement or is it is it more likely that he's just going to do it kind of quietly like the rest of the campaign's been going? Well, whenever he does it, it'll be a big splash. I mean, he could whisper it. Whenever he he announces the VP, it's going to be big news. Um, and I mean, look, that's the most interesting thing going on right now in the presidential campaign on either side. I mean, it's the only mystery left right now. Once he announces it, it's going to have a life of its own. Um the nominee, the VP that he picks, uh, their life's going to be changed forever. <laughs> and if they haven't been involved in the president, if it wasn't Warren or Kamala, they're, they're going to be just like, you know, in for a little bit of a shock uh, uh, how fast uh, uh, the pressure comes up. So we, we know Donald Trump's pretty unpopular and his prospects of reelection aren't looking great. The question is, though, will he bring the Senate down with him? With President Trump trailing former Vice President Joe Biden in nearly every major national poll, Democrats see more opportunities for gains, not just in the White House, but also in the U.S. Senate. This has been the pattern. When, when a president gets in trouble, his Senate colleagues uh, face the same fate very often. So look, he's Trump's down big right now in a lot of places. You look at a couple of these Senate races, like Arizona, North Carolina, the Democrats are way up. Looking pretty good in Colorado and Maine. I mean, we got a shot in Montana, maybe even South Carolina. Obviously, we're looking good in Alabama. But if the Republicans are betting all of this on Trump, it's probably going to backfire, right? Aren't the, aren't the Democrats going to pick up some seats here, not just in the Electoral College, but also on the Senate? Well, you know, in that video you just showed, uh, that was Mark Shields. And Mark Shields knows a thing or two about historically how this all works. And I would bet uh, that like me, this is reminding me a lot of 1980. Uh, so I'm really dating myself here, but uh, we had an unpopular president, Jimmy Carter. Reagan defeated him for president. But that night in November, the Democrats lost 12 seats. 12 Democratic Senate seats went out the window the night Jimmy Carter was defeated, a one-term president defeated by Ronald Reagan. Um, and th th some of them were giants, George McGovern, Birch Bayh. I mean, and, and almost all of them were people who no one knew were in trouble. But now back then we didn't have a whole lot of polling. So we didn't see the wave of senators going out the window. Um, it's, this is looking a lot to me like that kind of year. Um, that you're going to see if Trump really is, you know, if it if this continues for the next 95 days and he doesn't change the direction of this campaign, 
I, th I suspect we're, we're going to see some Republican senators who we don't even think today are in trouble will, will, will not be with us uh, in, uh, you know, after the election, they'll be voted out of office. Well, it's almost like a 2008 is a more recent example. I think the Dems got eight seats when Obama kind of rolled over McCain. That's a different thing. This is a different, it's much different when you have, it, it, you know, a landslide or, or, or beating uh, in an open seat is, is significant. You pick up seats, but it's nothing like what happens when you have a president who's falling into the 30s um, on their approval rating going into Election Day. That happens. If this continues to go drip, drip, drip and down on him, he's going to pull a lot. By, by the way, in the House... There were a lot of seats that Democrats won last time in 2018 that should have been relatively easy, not easy, but doable for the Republicans to win back. They were Republican seats that we picked picked up in 2018. Those None of those are, are, are working out right now uh, for the Republican Party. So look, I think they're going to lose Democratic, they're going to lose Republican seats in the House. They're going to, they have record retirements going on. And you've got a bunch of U.S. senators Republican U.S. senators in deep, deep trouble. Uh, I, I really do think we're looking more at something like 1980 than than even 2008. So if you're uh, obviously you look at a seat like Mark Kelly in Arizona and, and it's almost too far gone at this point for Republicans to come back with some of the numbers we're seeing. But if you're in a little bit more of a competitive state, like if you're a David Perdue in Georgia or even a Cory Gardner in, in Colorado, how do you even try to position yourself around Trump right now and save yourself? Well, they've got they've got big problems. They 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 if they move away from Trump, they start losing the the the, the mega sort of solid Trump supporters. How how you know you're you're a a, a traitor, uh, and if you if you cling to him, there are a bunch of moderate and particularly suburban women, uh, younger Republicans who are gonna. Who, who are going to drift over the Democrats. We're seeing that in, in a lot of places. There is something else I think I should bring up about the Senate, and that's, a, um, yeah, I think it could be big. I think we could win more than the three or four seats we, we, we need um, to put the Senate in play. If, if that's all we win, if we only win at the, just the, at the bare you know, tie or by one seat, we're not going to know then uh, in November because both the Georgia Senate's races are Lethen particularly is going to be for sure a a runoff that will happen in January, and there's a decent chance the Purdue seat will be in a runoff in January as well. So you could literally have you for sure have one Georgia seat that will decide the whole enchilada in January of 2021, and maybe two. Get ready because if we're if Democrats have it by one, or are one short, and Biden's won, has won the presidency. You're going to see a, an election between November and January that you that we will have never witnessed before. The, the just massive battle that both parties will make to win that Senate seat, and it's kind of it's kind of ironic since everybody right now, every race you go to, they're all claiming this will be the seat that decides the Senate. Right? Um, they're probably all wrong. Uh, it's likely the seat. If we're in a situation where one seat will decide the Senate, it's probably going to be Georgia. So one other thing we're seeing in the Senate this year, Joe, is in, in years past, we've been looking at ways to kind of pry away some Republicans or independents who might have voted for Trump but are pretty dissatisfied with him now. 
it kind of seems like looking at some of the data we're seeing from some national polls and some polls that you and I have been looking at, it seems like those the numbers of these dissatisfied Trump voters are going down. Should we be worried about that at all? No, I think it's because it's 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 like a boiling pot of water. Um, uh, the it, it's literally boiling down a little bit. So what's happening is, yeah, uh, the Trump supporters, you know, among Republicans, he's still got this, you know, strong ninety three percent favorable or whatever. But the the fact is, there's fewer Republicans. They're now self identifying as independents. Um, a lot of them are voting for. For Biden, uh, that's where that ten-point lead is coming from. Uh, people who've left, so you, who've who've left Trump. So what's happening is, and that's going to create a lot of trouble down ticket. Um, but but what's happening is, you look at these polls and Democrats, ninety-three percent of them are voting for Biden, only you know, single very low single digits for Trump, vice versa. The problem is. The numbers of people self-identifying as Democrats or independents is going up. The number of people self-identifying as Republicans are going down. That is a big, big problem um, for these Senate candidates. Well, that actually brings us to our listener question from the week, which is from Phil603. Phil, thanks for leaving a review and, and submitting your question on iTunes. Phil's asking, there's a debate over the future of the Republican Party. Where do you come down on the future of the GOP? You clean out the clutter or do you basically take a wrecking ball and knock the whole house down? Uh, I think the GOP's problem is that Trump is never going to go away. Um, there, it, you know, It's not like, okay, he wins or he loses. I mean, he loses, he's not gone. I mean, Donald Trump's not going to go. He's, Donald Trump's going to be playing in primaries in 2022 endorsing candidates, um, you'll still have the problem of, of, of saying you, you, you not wanting to oppose Trump because that will lose you his MAGA supporters in your Republican primary. At the same time, if you oppose him or move away from him, uh, that's, that's a problem. If you, ha- if you hang with him, that's a problem because there'll be Republicans who want to leave. The split in the party is going to grow because Trump's never going to go away. He is going to continue to, to play a role. He's going to be, he's not going to be a former president that just went quietly into the night. That's not going to happen, my friends. This is going to be, if you're a Republican, you're going to have to deal with him in your primaries forever. But anyway, um, my point would be that I think he, you know, whether it's his TV channel, his cable channel, uh, whether it's uh, just literally MAGA rallies in state after state where he tries to push his candidates for the Senate, for the House, you're, this is going to be a problem for the Republican Party. That split in the party will continue to grow. And that's where I think, by the way, Biden is such a great uh, nominee. Because this could be a very, this could cause a huge realignment in in this 2020 in November could could be the beginning of a realignment. Whereas Trump tries to hold on, will not go quietly away, does MAGA rallies um, throughout 2021, 2022, taking sides in, in Republican primaries. 
a lot of those moderate Republicans that are thinking maybe we can rebuild our party from scratch or find our party our party's way again may realize it'll never happen and and start to realign and and we're starting to see some of these suburban Republican women, younger Republicans starting to to look for the first time at voting Democratic um, for the Democratic candidate uh, in their state uh, or for president. I, I think um, that's the problem that the Republican Party has. The party, it's the same problem they have today, right this minute, Trump. Um, and the problem is, I think they, a, a lot of people kept thinking, well, maybe he'll change, maybe he'll be presidential. The whole, I'll pivot, I'll pivot, I'll pivot, never happens. Um, and and they're, they're sort of sanguine with, okay, but he'll be gone soon. Well, then we can rebuild our party. Wrong. He's never going to be gone. Thanks for listening to that trippy show. Please send us a question in the reviews on iTunes and give us five stars while you're there. Um, It really helps and it's great to get your support and that you take the time to listen. And I promise Alex will be sharper next time. Thanks, Alex. Till next week.